0: Today's readings are Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 to 5 and Mark chapter 1 verses 4 to 11. They can be found on pages 3 and 922 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord.
1: Be to God.
0: Pray with me. God of love,
1: no matter what falls upon our life, let us never lose our zest for life or appreciation of this beautiful world. You are creator and made this world available to use. Do not let us focus on our own troubles and remain blind to life's wonders. Give us eyes to see your work and words to sing your love. Amen. It wasn't too long ago, um, only a few months, that the Giants were in the World Series. I went to a party, more like a get-together than, than anything. And um, I went, one, because I liked the people, uh, two, because my wife wanted me to go, um, and three, it wasn't because I liked baseball. Um, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good either. I don't know anything, anything about, about baseball. And to hedge my bets, I brought work with me so I could catch up on it while the game was going on. Um, but, but really, it was to hide the fact that I knew nothing about baseball. Um, I was just trying to protect myself. So there I was, sitting on the couch, watching this game going on. My wife nudged me. The pitcher threw, the batter swung and missed, and the hosts cheered, and I just graded my papers. It wasn't long before there was a double play, and you might remember this, before there was a double play, and it was challenged. Well, the angles of of the camera and the scrutiny of the play made me put my work away and engage in the conversation. I had no idea what we were talking about, and I am convinced that our conversation had nothing to do... Um, it had no influence on the actual game, but regardless, I still joined. Eventually, there was the last hit um, and the last catch, and we were on our feet, jumping and hugging and cheering each other. I was jumping. I had no idea why. <laughs> I knew that there was something happening in this moment that was big enough that caused me to get out of my seat and join and jump and scream. It wasn't enough to be passive on the couch. You know, I was an outsider looking in, knowing nothing of what was happening, but I found, my, my, I found myself catching a glimpse of something meaningful, and that was enough. And God bless those people that endured me grading, my, grading papers while I was watching the game with them. Maybe you, maybe you have, have experienced this. It might have been a game, or it might have been something else. Or it might have been, if you can recall in high school, reading Shakespeare, of knowing that there's something happening within, within the dialogue, but you can't quite get your finger on it because the language is, is too difficult. And you assume that the teacher is just kind of making it up, because everyone makes it up when they read Shakespeare. But this is the feeling that, that happens within, within this moment. That something is something so big is happening within this baptism that even if you're on the inside, you can still recognize that something is happening. But even if you're on the outside, you can still recognize something is happening. It's a glimpse of something meaningful. Sometimes this feeling is frustrating, being on the outside and, and knowing that, that this is happening, that you want to engage, but you don't quite have the, the tools equipped to, to engage with it. And this this feeling, uh, these moments is similar to what is happening in the story. Something earth changing and the history shaping. Some are are on the inside and they know. But there's even more on the outside and they have no idea. But they're just hoping to peek inside and to catch a glimpse. There are three points we can gather from, from this passage. Knowing from the inside, looking from the outside, and the surprise of the gospel sign. The first point is knowing from the inside. There are all sorts of people on the inside within, within this passage. People, um, or there are all sorts of people that, uh, that are on the inside. People that not only know what an RBI is, but they, they want to know what it is. And they want to know what it's for. And it's the same way within, within this passage. And on the first read, it's clear that there's two types of, two groups of people that know. John the Baptist knows what's happening, and supposedly... Um, Israel knows what's happening. On the first read, it's it's obvious, it's clear that John knows, that John knows something. He knows that something is happening, something is up. His surprise ministry has burst into action. Um, And and Israel of that day was looking forward to someone, looking forward to something to free them from the oppression of Rome. They're both, uh, but Israel is looking in the wrong direction And John is saying, confess your sins and wait for the next person. John tells them to look inward, confess their sins, and to wait for that next person. And that person will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And there are clear connections between that first chapter in Genesis and this first chapter in Mark. And the author is making it clear that this is a brand new beginning. Genesis begins with a God that creates. That much is true. The world is in darkness, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And, Mark's, and Mark takes that illusion, um, takes that beginning with all of its illusion, with all of its nuance, and he begins his book with good news—a story. We didn't read the first, uh, the first line in Mark, but this, this is what it is. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. That good news. That word is—I oh, always forget it. Eugaleion. That's close enough. It's ancient Greek. No one knows how. It's, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> but the word—the word—eventually um, gives us evangelist, and when it's translated into Olding, which we get Godspell, which is a gospel and also a play. Um, but one author—one author writes that this beginning is—is is creation being recast. And the same spirit that hovers over the water descends on Jesus from the split sky. At one point, the only thing that we had was a voice over the water. But now we're getting ready for a human that would make sense of this world. I can't imagine what it would be like to be on Um, the edge of of the Jordan River, watching Jesus being baptized. And I don't think there are many people that can quite understand it either because if you've watched a Jesus movie before, it's always awkward. It's always unusual. It never makes sense at all. And perhaps that's the reason why it's awkward. It's, It's difficult translating it from text to screen. And we're left just kind of with this weird thing happening. What exactly is going on? But the nuance of this passage is not lost on the original audience or the people witnessing the baptism, they recognize something clear. They can see the connections between Genesis, the Spirit, and the water. In Luke, the author describes that there are actual people right next to Jesus, near Jesus, being baptized when he, in fact, when he is also being baptized. They were on the inside, fully aware and expecting the Messiah. But instead of a victory against the Romans, they got Jesus from, from Nazareth, who is being baptized with them. And this part is easy. We can make the connections. We can find the nuances. We can understand the the illusions. We can read books or talk with friends. Um, But if we focus on all of this, we lose the subtleties and and the illusions. Um, And the text becomes meaningless. The heart of, of the text is lost. We lose the audible voice. This is my son, whom I love whom I am well pleased. And this is a different type of language. This is parental language. This is family language. This is language that might cause something inside of us to stir up, that might bring up bad, bad memories, might bring up things we, we don't want to deal with, things that we don't want to wrestle with. And this can be tricky. And maybe you're jiving with this message so far and you can make those connections and you're seeing the illusions and you can find all of these things that, that are working. But when I mention that, and, and you and you're leaning, you're leaning forward, ready to get off the couch and jump like it's the World Series, and you're so excited because this is going really well, and you're excited for me, and you're excited for each other, and it's, it's just an awesome Sunday. But when I mention family, that's, that strikes a nerve. That hits a chord that rings a bad note. And I don't know what your experience is with family and what that looks like, but know that this is a safe place to encounter that. This is a safe place to identify with those feelings. Family is difficult. There was a movie maker and, and, and a mentor that had a, a big conflict. The younger man, the, the movie maker, the filmmaker, couldn't, under, um, couldn't handle the criticism that his mentor was giving him, and so he ended up rejecting his mentor. After the fallout of, of their relationship, one close friend, um, summed up the real problem with this, this filmmaker. All of this was about an ungenerous father and a son looking for affirmation and love. Sometimes we, we're on the outside and we're looking in and we, can, we, can, we read this verse and we say, no, I don't know if I can connect with that because my own family is broken, because my own experience with family is lost. And this is kind of what it's like with our second point, looking from the outside. Family has so much potential to build and create, or to tear down and destroy. And once someone has been burned by family, it's even harder to rebuild. One example is this. In 2009, a British justice recited four lines of Philip Larkin's poem, This Be the Verse, as a part of his judgment. The case was a a particularly um, hostile divorce case involving the future custody of arrangements of a nine-year-old, nine-year-old child. The judge said, These four lines seem to me to give a clear warning to parents who, post-separation, continue to fight about the battles of the past and show, how each other, and show each other no respect. These are the four lines of the poem. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can. And don't have any kids yourself. This language brings up might bring up a lot of emotions, but I think this happens all the time. Parents get divorced, and the fallout is messy. Children grow up in a world who who never uh, who never had a father say to them, "You are my son," or "I am pleased with you." And sometimes it's even difficult within our Western worlds who might think and feel and feel this, but are, are too embarrassed to express their delight. And they just can't seem to do it. And so they take the opposite route. They have stern rules. They, they give emotional rejection, and sometimes even they slam the door as the child, child leaves the house. And once again, if you have those feelings, if you have experienced that past, we lift up you and your story and pray for restoration and forgiveness. But if you are on the outside, know that this is a place to feel welcome, a place to feel safe and to wrestle with those problems. But this is the trouble of um, of being an outsider and being an insider. Even if you understand the nuances of all of those things, you might still have family and parents. And so the heart of this passage is still lost or difficult to wrestle with, or maybe you are on the outside, and you don't understand the, new, the nuances, but you still have those problems. And those are deep, concerning problems, things that, that we have to wrestle with, and oftentimes we wrestle with them for the rest of our lives. And maybe as an insider, you understand the rules, the reasons, the foul balls and the double plays, but as an an outsider, you wonder why there isn't a time limit when all the other sports have time limits, and it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes you understand the nuance, and sometimes you don't. But in both cases, there seems to be at least just a, a moment of clarity, a moment of understanding it doesn't matter about that. That moment is what matters. And there has to be some way to level the playing field. And this brings up point three, the surprise surprise from the gospel side. The whole Christian gospel can be summed up in this passage. The living God looks at us and says to us us what he says to Jesus. It seems impossible, especially if you have never had the kind of support that kind of support from your earthly parents. But it's true. God looks at you and says, you are my dear, dear child. I am delighted with you. I want you to stop. I want you to place your name in that phrase. Reflect on it. You are my dear, dear child. I am delighted with you. It takes Mark, the rest, of, uh, the rest of the story, to explain how this happens, particularly with the death and, and resurrection. But as the story unfolds, the language of, of the New Testament begins to take shape on this profound truth. And, and it's interesting that even as, uh, as the disciples were experiencing the resurrection, as the, the first church were experiencing um, the profound truths of, of what was happening, earth-shattering, history-changing, profound truths, they had to develop brand new language to describe their experiences. And one of the ways that they, that they developed that language, one of the ways that they decided to make sense of that was family, that we are children of God. But not only are we children of God, we are heirs to what God offers to us. And the New Testament uh, language reflects this truth. And the authors take this image and expound on it. Family, brothers, sisters, church, God, the Father. They are all related. They are all connected. And one of the most beautiful moments of taking that That cerebral idea, that ethereal idea, that thing that seems to just exist within the abstract is what happens within the Roman Empire. During the Roman Empire, there were times where um, families would abandon their babies in in the woods. And it was an epidemic and a problem, whether it was because the the babies were, were disabled, whether it was because they had too many kids, they couldn't afford them, whatever it was, they abandoned their kids in the woods. And so the early, the early church, they understood that they, if they were children of God, and these babies were children of God, they would go into the woods and pull them out of that darkness and say, you are a part of our family. They understood that the same voice that Jesus that said to Jesus, you are my child, is what causes us to, to reflect on this new world and this new reality. I think um, an amazing image of this that comes from one of the Gospels is the prodigal son. And there are two sons, a younger and an older. The younger demands his, his inheritance, and the father obliges it. He gives it to him. The younger son takes his inheritance and spends it all. He squanders it. The son is defeated, and he wants to return home, but he doesn't quite know how to do it. How do you return home? Um, knowing that you, you have squandered everything that your father has given you. Well, little did he know that the father is, is waiting for him to come back. So the son, in all of his defeat, returns with his tail between his legs, and he walks down the, the driveway, and the father sees him and runs out to him and brings him back into the house. He orders a celebration, a party, a party that everyone would want to go to. But there's conflict. The older son never left. He did what he was supposed to do. And he says, what about me? Where's my justice? I didn't leave you. I didn't demand your, your inheritance. What about me? The father expresses his son to both. I can imagine that as the, as the younger son is looking from the outside in into his family's house, he says, I don't know if my dad will, will love me. And I can imagine the older son, as he's seen event, the eventual celebration, he's saying, I don't know how this father could love him. Why didn't he love me in the same way? But the gospel levels the playing field. Whether you feel like you are on the outside, or whether you feel like you are on the inside, the gospel changes that and says, you are loved. And God is pleased with you. It's a theological truth that God is love and God does love. That's something we celebrate and we come here every Sunday to celebrate that. But how often do you think that God is fond of you? That he enjoys the things that you enjoy? God is fond of you. A good deal of Christian faith is a matter of learning Um, is learning to live by this profound truth that God is fond of you. We are brothers and and sisters, children of a living God. And this is one of the reasons why we baptize is because of this passage. Because we we recognize that that same voice that, that spoke to Jesus speaks to us. And we live within that profound truth. And this is one of the reasons why we risk doing church together why we risk being in community with one another. Because family is is difficult at times. Family is hard, and there are crazies everywhere. There are people that bring work to World Series parties. There are crazy people. But even in the midst of that, that love is, is spread for everyone. Learn to hear these words that God is saying to you. And that God will continue to say it to you. And that no matter where you are, or what is happening, or the brokenness that you find throughout this, throughout this world, God is saying these words to you. You are my child, and I am delighted with you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we often feel embarrassed or self-conscious. We feel like our wounds are exposed and our strength is drained. Help us to remember you are delighted with us. Heal our wounds, renew our strength, and wash the, sin, the stains of guilt away. Amen.